dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hello, listeners. This is Father Michael. Today's episode is Mother Natalia's, and we have a very special guest, our mutual friend, Matt Frad, who came on. And uh, we decided to talk about uh, a lot of things, but especially when it comes to a the possessiveness that can come through being very online and uh, what it may mean to to understand or to confuse uh, being online for very real relationships, how there is a, a great lack of love and how the foundation of love and acceptance is what's necessary to, to have an online presence. And so the pitfalls of what that can be uh, for um, all of us involved and the differences between monasticism and celibacy and married life, all these things come together in, in an attempt to to make our life and our ministry even better. We talk about all those things with Matt. Um, so thank you for listening. If you are a hashtag banter hater, please skip ahead seven minutes and 20 seconds from the end of this message. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory, glory forever, Mother. Oh, there was a beautiful Australian glory forever that happened just then. Did you hear that, Father Michael? Um, I, I almost I almost decided on this podcast that I was just going to call him anything except Australian, um, oh. but I'm guessing like too many people do well, that. Well, that like, was shot in man, the first I'm, I'm ten sorry, seconds. I'm sorry for the death of your queen. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, had a whole thing up. that would have not. <laughs> been too funny. soon, Father. Too soon. <laughs> um, and then I was going to switch to New Zealand, then South Africa, just like just go all around it until I finally lose it. my temper and throw something <laughs> exactly <laughs> and storm out of the room. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, welcome, Matt. We have Matt Frad, who's a mutual friend of Father Michael and mine. Um, we have him on the show, so welcome. Thank you. Yeah, uh, the last time I was on Matt's show, um, so I've been on twice, going on again this Tuesday, which is mm, a couple weeks ago by the time this comes out. But uh, the last time I was like, Matt, um, I've done this for you twice now. And how would you feel about coming on our podcast? Um, and he was like, oh, I'd be honored. Oh, and I? then, um, yeah, thanks. And <laughs> I tend to say what I think, so I wasn't sure what I said. <laughs> um, well, we'll pretend that's what you thought, even if it wasn't. Well, one thing you've already done, Matt, is you just elevated us to a show because Mother just called this a show. Oh, no, I think I said on I think I said on our podcast. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I did. No, you well, said it's show. definitely been recorded, so people show. will be able to find out, <laughs> and they will tell us. <laughs> cowboy, cowboy like, will tell us say, what we said. <laughs> We we have Matt on our show, and he's had a, he's had a me on his show. I'm like, sweet, we're a show. Now. <laughs> I don't. Matt's elevated us to a show. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Is there a difference? I don't either. I just thought it was funny. I've always I've always heard you call it a podcast. Oh. Or like our audience, our listeners. I don't like saying fans, but I guess we probably have fans now. It just seems weird to say. So I just I was just thought I'd point it out and and give you a little ribbing for it. Oh well, thanks for that. Um, You're welcome. Mm, yeah. There was, I feel like there was something else I was going to say about that, but Father Michael, you just totally made me lose my train Sorry. of thought. It's God who forgives. I listened, I listened to the Married Priesthood podcast in the car with Whaley because he, he did, hadn't uh-huh. heard it. We were driving back from Santa Cruz. I listened to that episode because I was just like, that was a good episode. Very spirit-led, I think, especially at the end. And I'm listening to it, and I was like, I don't listen to my own stuff, and I know why now. Is I, I don't mind my voice. Many people don't care their voice. I don't like how much I talk. Oh, you say really good things. Well, thank you, but I, 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 by the end of it, it was good. But I was like, man, if if I, uh, I just kind of talk a that lot. That was also your episode. See, this is if you had a YouTube channel, yeah. Father, <laughs> thousands of people would get yeah. to tell you that <laughs> immediately. <laughs> it's like unfiltered rage comes out on YouTube yeah. comment sections. Matt, Matt, and I were talking about this before we started recording because <laughs> he he was reflecting on some of the differences between having an audio only and and a video mm-hmm. podcast because which we tried video for about two seconds, but yeah. it turned out that uh, the monastery doesn't have good enough internet, mm. as, as you've seen, which is God's particular love for me because I um, I don't like video yeah. podcasts or shows or whatever mm-hmm. they're called. Uh, so I said no to coming on your show multiple times before finally I was like, all right, yeah, and that was a big part of it is just the video aspect like freaks me out. Yeah. But no, it, 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 the temptation is to continually kind of modify course based on what people are saying in the comment section. And then you realize, uh, yeah. like, they're all insane. And, <laughs> and they're, they're pretending to be angry. No one's angry. And why am I basing 
my show based on what Mr. Three Subscribers has to say about me and my guests. So yeah, listening to those who I trust is a much better idea, I think, than listening to the random YouTube commenters. No offense, random YouTube commenters. Uh, the, I was telling Matt about our listener advisory committee, and uh, he was like, that's a great idea. I, um, I should think about having that for my show, which mm-hmm. is a show and not a podcast. Mm-hmm. Is it also a podcast? It's both. It's both. <laughs> <laughs> showcast. It's a showcast. Did you just make that up? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I don't think you talk too much, Father Michael. I think you say really great things, and people like that. Um, well, I've just owned it. I, I was going to tell a quick story. I remember years <laughs> ago I got on a plane. <laughs> Ish, I have a story to I'm tell. This, this, is, this is how I own it. Um, um, I got on a plane, and, and I saw Steven Tyler was on the plane, too. Now, Who's Steven now, Tyler? Um, lead singer of Aerosmith. Okay. So um, he, he's, he's on the plane, too. Everybody's, of course, so Steven Tyler, Steven Tyler. So he gets in the plane, and he gets on first because he's in first class, of course. He sits against the window. Some girl sits next to him. When we get on, she's like immersed in her phone, and he is sitting there just like unabashedly and recklessly picking his nose. And and I get on, and I'm like, I, I look at him because I'm like, oh, where's Steve? I see him. And I keep on going, and then I realize he probably did that for the entire time. He just he just the, everybody he knew that everybody getting on would be looking at him, so he oh. was just picking his nose the entire. So every single person would say, oh, yeah, like knuckle deep, or just sort of scratching <laughs> so around I, the rim. Like, yeah, it was absolutely prodigally, like oh. it was just recklessly, <laughs> and um, and yeah, and I just thought, wow, this this guy this guy does this so much, and he's been doing it for so long that he just kind of owned it. And I, that's why I was getting too much about the video. Sometimes you just gotta like I I just doing videos. Um, more like morning reflections for Leodero's thing, and I can't decide what the thumbnail picture is, and so I just talk for twenty minutes, and then it then the system the app chooses the thumbnail photo, and every single time it was the just the worst photo of me, the absolute <laughs> worst, and so I started kind of. I just owning it and being like during the recording, I'm like, just you got to check out the thumbnail for this one. It's going to be incredible. <laughs> um, just own it. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can own your talking a lot. Uh, I told Matt. This is your topic, so you, I'm going to shut up a lot. I doubt that. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Matt, I told Father Michael on a one one that we were recording recently. I think I mentioned that I had to look through the comments on my videos oh, with you to find. <laughs> I was haven't. I was looking for something very particular. Well, the thing is, between the two videos, there's I don't know, like four or five hundred comments or something, mm-hmm. and probably like five of them were negative. Okay, that's and, good. It's just um, that the negative ones. But those seem... are the only ones I remember. Exactly. Yeah. It's true of everybody. It's good critic math. Larry David once went to a baseball game, and they pointed out the fact that he was in the stadium, and apparently everybody cheered. And then he Who's said, "Larry David. Larry David's the co-creator of Seinfeld. Okay. And then as his, as he was leaving the park, someone drove past, rolled down their window, and yelled, "You suck!" And he said, "That's all he thought about." So you got oh. an entire stadium of people cheering for yeah. you versus one guy saying, "You suck." That's all you think about. That's it's very interesting. Yeah. That's life. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to uh, start our topic, if that's okay. Unless you have anything you want to say, Father Michael. No, just roll with okay. it. Okay, so do it. I was thinking about what I wanted to um, talk about with you in particular, Matt, and then I realized, like, oh, there was nothing in particular that I wanted to talk about with you. I just was happy that you were here and wanted to have you on. And but then I was like, well, let's just talk about what you're talking about tomorrow night at our banquet. So mm-hmm. the reason Matt's in town is uh, he and Cameron are helping with our bridegroom's banquet, our annual banquet, which is happening tomorrow evening. And uh, Cameron, which is very generous of them to help us, Cameron is going to MC the event. And then Matt and Cameron together are giving a talk. So the theme of the theme of tomorrow's banquet is chastity because we have a different theme every year. We've had one on Pustinia and one on spiritual fatherhood, one on spiritual motherhood. But last year, this year, and next year, we're doing a series on poverty, chastity, and obedience. So last year we talked about poverty and this year chastity. And 
the so we we made a video we make a video each year and um Matt's seen part of the video and he was surprised at how good it was which I thought was maybe a little offensive Backhanded um, yeah <laughs> yeah exactly for you guys um, no no it was terrific yeah was, really terrific uh, I hope you put it out in the public are you we do yeah good, good. so we premiere it at the banquet itself and mm. then and then it's out for the public I remember watching it and thinking there's no way I can get up and say anything after this this is so <laughs> insightful and spiritual and really well put um yeah. So shout out to David Bratnick, who I've given shout outs to before, um, who I affectionately call Bratnicky. And he's the one who makes the video. He's not going to be able to be at the banquet, which is super sad because he's out of the country. But uh, working on, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't even say that because maybe that's not even known. Uh, it's, on, it's on Facebook. Oh, it is. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So he's working on a documentary for who? About what? Do you remember? Um, I believe it's Hungarian... Uh, Hungarian priest. Metropolitan Philip has him out there. Yeah. Yes, okay. Exactly. Um, so David does just an amazing job with with our videos each year, and but but I think that the fascinating thing about this is I wanted to have Matt talk about chastity, um, but I think in a in a very different way than probably. Um, I mean, tomorrow night you're talking about chastity in the context of marriage, you and Cameron, and that's great. But on this podcast, I think it's probably not typically how you're asked to talk about chastity because we make the point in the video at the very the very beginning of the video that I think chastity, not think, we, we think of chastity almost always as being um, something about sexuality. And that's certainly a part of it. But I don't think that's the only thing that chastity means. And so in our video, we're breaking down kind of different aspects of our life in which we're called to chastity, mm. um, such as emotional chastity, which that's that's something that's kind of talked about, especially like um, college age women are talking about like being emotionally chaste. I might have been the first one to use that phrase with you, Father Michael. Do you remember if that's true? No, I, I, I even back in Steubenville, that, that was kind of a, that was a phrase that a lot of people didn't really know what it meant. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really like it. Um, I, I think that there's something deep and truthful there, but I think it's been overused in many circles. So I, I, I love the idea, um, but I think we should just make sure we define it. Yeah. And uh, it's probably a good thing to do now. Yeah. So um, it's kind of like a, the phrase feminine genius, which you only ever <laughs> used in spiritual direction with me when you were like criticizing me. And I was like, you've got to stop using it in that way. Um, it's like, I'm, I'm saying something totally crazy. And Father Michael's like, I, I really appreciate your feminine genius, but, and I'm like, no, stop, stop doing that. Um, so uh, I wanted to share a quote from, from Pope Francis's uh, apostolic letter, Patris Corde, which is, I, I share, we did a whole episode or two, I think maybe two episodes on fatherhood based on my prayer with this letter. But I don't know if I mentioned this quote from it, but I want to. So so he's talking about, um, well, I'll just read the quote. He, the, the letter is about St. Joseph. It was for the year of St. Joseph. Pope Francis says, Being a father entails introducing children to life and reality, not holding them back, being overprotective or possessive, but rather making them capable of deciding for themselves, enjoying freedom, and exploring new possibilities. Perhaps for this reason, Joseph is traditionally called a most chaste father. That title is not simply a sign of affection, but the summation of an attitude that is the opposite of possessiveness. Mm. Chastity is freedom from possessiveness in every sphere of one's life. Only when love is chaste is it truly love. A possessive love ultimately becomes dangerous. It imprisons, constricts, and makes for misery. God himself loved humanity with a chaste love. He left us free even to go astray and set ourselves against him. The logic of love is always the logic of freedom, and Joseph knew how to love with extraordinary freedom. He never made himself the center of things. He did not think of himself, but focused instead on the lives of Mary and Jesus. So this is the sense of chastity that we, that we talked about in our video, and what I want to talk about today is chastity as the spirit opposite of that of possessiveness. And... I think that, so, so this is the case when we're sexually unchaste, when we have um, a bodily unchastity, is that we're grasping at something. We're seeking to, to fill um, our own desires of our own volition, mm. right? Um, as opposed to receiving what God gives as gift. 
But this grasping affects all of our areas of, all the areas of our life, like Pope Francis says. And there are other areas in which we grasp and in which we're trying to possess uh, as opposed to receiving as gift. And um, that's kind of what I want to talk about. Do you guys have any thoughts before I... My initial thought is I love that quote from the Holy Father. And I think, though, if we're going to use chastity in a different sense, we should point that out. Because I think chastity means a particular thing. And I'm not a fan of when people take um, words and then use them analogously or stretch their meaning. Like, it does make a point. But I would still want to say at the end of the day, like Thomas Aquinas talks about chastity, meaning like chastisement upon our lower appetites in regards to sexuality. Mm. But I, I love what you say, you're saying, of course, because certainly I think unchastity very often has the, uh, the kind of mark of possessing and consuming another for my own sexual satisfaction. So it's like, it's a selfish act that seeks my good in an immature way at the expense of the other. Mm. So even when you're talking about emotional chastity, I presume you're meaning that in a, there's a sexual element to that, correct? Or are you, or are you meaning that in some other way? Because otherwise I suppose you could talk about it as a sort of, like if I hoard things, mm-hmm. then this is maybe the sin of um, miserliness or selfishness or something. You could say unchastity in an extended analogous sense. Sure. But we wouldn't really call that unchastity per se, right? Or, um, or what do you think? I don't mean to just like crap upon your <laughs> idea that we can use chastity and unchastity in different ways. Or um, the Holy Fathers. Yeah, that's okay. I'm I'm fine with even just for, for the sake of clarity, even just using the phrases of possessiveness and grasping and all of that. Um because that's that's the point that I'm trying to get at is that, um, yeah, just this the the different areas of our life in which we grasp and in which we try to possess instead of receiving mm-hmm. as as gift and the attachments that lie there. Because I think what that does though is like when you when you talk about chast- unchastity as possessiveness and graspingness, what I like about it is that it sheds light on how unchastity. Um, reveals itself. Mm. And I think maybe in the past, I've been unable to see that. Maybe I just saw it as I want this particular need met in a particular way that might be illicit Mm -hmm. without realizing that, no, look at what you're trying to do. Like if you take a deeper look, you'll see that you're seeking to possess and consume someone or some aspect of someone to, 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 you know what I mean? It, it kind of points to the um, immaturity of that vice. Yeah, because the <clears throat> when, we're, when we talk about chastity, even like this, yeah, just the, the very literal physical chastity, we, we talk often of objectification, right? And to objectify is literally to see someone as an object. Mm-hmm. Um, see somebody as, do you want to keep talking while you do that? I can do it. Really yeah, good. great. <laughs> yeah, so to objectify somebody would be to sort of remove the subjective element of them. So, you know, for all intents and purposes, this person may not necessarily need to be a person in in regards to what I'm wanting to do yeah. here, right? I'm, yeah, so so it becomes, mm-hmm. it, it, it becomes something of, what can I get from them? How can I use them mm-hmm. versus how do I see them? Because yeah. an object is something that we use. A person is something that we encounter or someone mm-hmm. that we encounter, I should say. Um, and so there's the difference between using and looking at versus seeing and encountering and engaging with. And being encountered. Isn't mm-hmm. that the other thing too? It's not just encountering. It's not just it's a one-way. A person yeah. is able to also encounter me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so one of, the, one of the ways in which we talk about this in... The video, and which Mother Petra assigned to me to talk about because it's something I'm very passionate about and um, and related to something that you recently did, Matt, was um, this, uh, we see this come across a lot, this objectification um, in technology. So part of, the, part of the problem, I think, with part of the misuse of technology is that when we see those YouTube comments or when we see posts on Facebook, or when we see things like that, we are seeing avatars, right? We're seeing, um, we're seeing pictures, we're seeing objects. And, and it's a great temptation to, to objectify and to forget that there is a person behind this avatar. And uh, so I think that's a place in which it's very tempting for us to use technology 
to fill certain things in us um, and to, to possess technology or think that we possess technology and possess the objects that are on there um, to, to fill certain things within us, psychologically, emotionally, um, spiritually, uh, and, and in all of those different ways. So I, I wondered if you could share briefly, because I've never talked to you about this, so I don't actually know, if you could share briefly what even inspired you to do what you did last month and if you could tell people a little bit about that. Sure, yeah. So I, for the last four years, I've given up the internet for all of August. Um, and it began because I just found myself being really overwhelmed by the internet. And so it started at the end of Friday, I would take my computer and phone to a friend's house. And that was the only access I had to the internet and I gave it to him. And I gave it to him rather than, say, putting it in my bottom drawer because I'm smart enough to know where I'm dumb. <laughs> and I, I knew that if I didn't do that, I would end up just checking this one thing and then that would spiral. Um, and I found that those weekends were really liberating after the first few hours and that I would be with my kids without the temptation to check what somebody said in response to my very, very clever tweet or something. Can you, can you say why it's after the first few hours? What are those first few yeah, hours? Yeah, I don't like? know. It's kind of like, pull, if, like the way I like to describe it is if you put a, one of those rotating fans mm -hmm. on full blast and then you pull the plug, it takes a while for the thing to slow down. Mm -hmm. And I feel like my brain's like that for whatever reason. It just gets clouded and like a sandstorm of thoughts and images and impulses that, that and I don't know if it's because I have ADD or something, I'm pretty sure I do, but I find it very difficult to be at peace and to use technology with a sense of calm. My wife seems to be able to do it. Uh, I thought everyone was like that, but so yeah, for whatever reason, my brain just starts to slow down. Like what I would do is I'd give my phone and my computer away, I'd back out of the driveway of my friend's house and as I'm backing out, I reach for my phone to tweet that very, very, very interesting thing that the world obviously needs to hear about right now. And it was shocking how often... Just, just left my phone with a friend. <laughs> yeah, how great am I? Yeah, and it's, it's terrifying actually when you do that because it's like we're becoming avatars. Uh, not avatars, we're becoming um, cyborgs. Mm -hmm. This has really a, become a part of us in a sense. Like the only thing is it's not sewn into our hand. But what people have Apple Watches, I mean, you're very, very close to a cyborg at this point, you know? Mm -hmm. um, Anyway, so I found that so liberating that I decided I'd like to give it up for the whole month. And so I worked my tail off in July, scheduling episodes. And I'm very blessed that I have a job where I'm able to do that, right? I would schedule my episodes ahead of time. I would pay somebody to run my social media. And then I would give everything away for that first month. And it was so delightful. Mm. I loved it. And I would say this, though, like last August, I mustn't have been in a very good place because when I came back, I wanted to literally sell my car and maybe get off email. And like, <laughs> whereas this year, I'm like, I'm really excited to be back. Mm. I'm so grateful to our Lord that he's given me this ability to proclaim the gospel in the way that I do it. And that seems to be helping people and glory to Jesus Christ for that. And I can't wait to get back to it. So I, mm. I have to think that means I'm in a better spot than I was last year, but I very much enjoyed it. Yeah, and I think that's that's the good and appropriate use of technology, right? Like, I, I make this point in the video as well. I'm not saying that technology is bad. And I think that it can be used for good. But I think that when, um, when it's something that we feel we need... Um, yeah. or it's an addiction, like then it's just as unhealthy as, as other addictions. And tell me what you think about this, because I don't mean to be hyperbolic, but I think the way in which technology demands that we use it, so mm -hmm. like most people have phones, and for most people, they, they can't leave their phone at work because they have different reasons for why they can't leave their phone at work. Mm -hmm. They check their phone first thing in the morning. They watch Netflix on their lap as they're going to sleep. You know, for, it's like the way in which technology is demanding that we use it. I think for most of us, it is inappropriate and imprudent mm -hmm. and detrimental to our interior lives. Yeah. So that might sound hyperbolic, but I think it's probably better that we err on the side of, I probably have an unhealthy relationship with technology than err to the side of, no, I'm doing great. Oh, um, yeah. And then try to discern... Yeah, absolutely. Because we, I mean, we're humans and we're experts at self-deception, right? Mm -hmm. So it's very easy to say, um, I went through this with, with something last year that I had to kind of process with, with Father Michael, where I was just like, you know what? I, I would totally be okay without this thing. Like, I really feel like I'm in a place of detachment. That's great. Um, and then that thing was gone. And I was like... And then what thing was gone? The, oh, that desire. No, oh. that thing that I thought I would be okay without. I'm just not saying what the thing That's was. Fine. But I was like, I would be okay without this thing. And then suddenly it was gone. And I was like, 
I'm not okay. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, because we are really good at, at self-deception yep, as yep. humans. Um, brilliant at it. And so I... I actually often encourage my spiritual children, um, and I do this myself, to have a communications fast. So for mm-hmm. for major fasting, for all of the four fasting periods, um, I fast from all uh, electronic communications other than what I need to for work. That's and, beautiful. Um, so no email, no Skype calls, no... Um, I'll FaceTime with my parents, but otherwise... And you're able to do that in your role as a nun here in this monastery? Yeah, so I still have I still have to use, like, the community email to, like, schedule Pustinias and <clears> things <throat> like that, but um, but I won't do personal emails. Mm. And Text messages, too? Well, we don't have phones, yeah. so there's... I mean, we have the shared travel phones, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's a really easy one for me um, or for, for the nuns here, but... Um, my, my, to bring this back to chastity, like mm-hmm. my fear is that we're seeking from technology what we could be getting through intimacy with our spouse. And it wouldn't surprise me if many people would complain about the fact that this thing has taken over. Like it's giving me maybe the dopamine hits, to use a sort of colloquial term and none, none of us know what it means, um, or something like that, such that I'm not actually seeking out intimacy with my spouse. Yeah. Like how many spouses are growing lonely while their wife is on Marco Polo or their husband is looking at Twitter mm-hmm. or YouTube or whatever? Yeah. Have you seen uh, Have you seen The Terminal? Yes. I remember watching it a long time ago and loved it. Have you it. seen that, Father Michael, The Terminal? Tom Hanks? No. Um, I don't even know what it is. It's a movie with Bruce Tom Hanks. Will, Tom Hanks. <laughs> it's ah. definitely Tom Hanks. Oh, is this where he lives in the yes. Well, yes, I did see that. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Um, so there's this fascinating. So there's a, a character in the movie, um, Amelia. She's a flight attendant. And. The, her whole character is just fascinating to me and infuriating in some ways, which I think she's meant to be. Uh, but at one point, she's talking about this man that she's having an affair with, and um, and she's talking to the character, Victor, the one that Tom Hanks plays, and she says, um, she's talking about just like how much she loves this relationship and how how good it feels. And she she wakes up in the morning um, in this hotel room and and she just remembers the image of him sitting there doing the crossword. And and um, Victor says, um, why does he need a crossword if you're there? And he just like points out to her hmm. the fact that like he's actually just using her. This man is very clearly like he's still married to his wife, has been this mm. whole time, and so on and so forth. And and Victor, who's just this like beautiful, pure of heart character throughout the entire movie, um, just points out like he shouldn't even need to be doing that if he's with you, um, if he has you there. And uh, so that's what I'm thinking of with what you're saying, Matt. And and that's what I've realized in doing these communications fasts is, so I do them in the fasting periods throughout the year, but then also on Wednesdays and Fridays um, throughout the year since those are fasting days for us. And um, the I've realized that I'm so much more attentive and present mm-hmm. to the people that I'm actually with because of that, right? Like, um, and I'll still, I'll still write letters um, and... And I'll spend time with people who are here at the monastery. So it's it's not like a break from relationship, but it's a break from these electronic. And, and I find I found that I actually wanted to be with people around me, not just oh, it's a duty. I should probably put some FaceTime right. in. What I would find in my month off is I'd sit out on my front porch and I'd be having a coffee, and I'd want to be with a human, and I couldn't have the substitute through text message or something. And there was I, I live in Steubenville, so there's a ton of great people everywhere. So I'd like walk down my street and knock on people's doors because I had never <laughs> phone and I wanted to see if they wanted to hang out. And I would do this like two or three times until I got mm-hmm. to someone who wanted to hang out because they were busy or, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to me. I, another example was about two years ago, I spent an eight-day silent retreat with the Eastern monks in... Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Holy Resurrection. And I'm a wimp because... I like to style, like think of myself as an introvert, but by about the fifth day, I was like making eye contact with the monks, hoping they'd start conversation (laughs) with me because I was lonely and I just wanted to chat with somebody, you know? I remember saying to Mother Gabriella one time when I was here in my observership, um, I was like, like, hey, when it's like, when we've had a lot of silence and it's just just another silent morning or something, um, do you ever like growl at yourself in the mirror and she was like no and I was like oh yeah cool. yeah me neither <laughs> just wondering um so yeah. I had a, was I so had what, a friend who you go father <laughs> I was gonna say I had a friend who who during COVID mm. um they were so lonely 
that that when everything opened back up again, um, they got and this is a female when everything opened back up again and and they got on the flight, um, they were going to fly somewhere. And when they got on the flight, they said just having like something went off, and I had the person like the other woman like you know touching me to to make sure there's nothing there. She said I had not been touched by another human being mm. in. In months and months and months and months, and like I, I think what we do with technology too is that we, we, you know, numb that need for intimacy with very surface mm-hmm. things. Like I don't do that. I I know what it feels like because I have done it in the past. But I I will numb my need for intimacy by going out to a bar, and I have a bar ministry that I I think our Lord has blessed me to have, and I love it. But I went out last night, and I I I had a. I had a, uh, a a drink, a nightcap with with my housemate Whaley, and then and then I went out, and I and I came back, and he was still up, and and I, I he's like, how was it? I was like, it was great, it was awesome. I haven't been to this bar in probably a month and a half, and I went out there, and I I had a brief brief conversation with these two girls who were drunk, and 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 I I had I I met the new general manager, I shook his hand, they gave me a bunch of free stuff, and then I came home. Isn't that literally it- was how it went, and I was. Isn't it by definition Sorry? not a nightcap if it doesn't cap your night? Well, I, I had multiple nightcaps. This is my life. Um, thank God. Um, but but I, <laughs> but yeah, so, so technically do. But I, I made that decision later on. But I, I went out and I came back and I thought, why was that a good night? Like I literally made all these very surface interactions. I, I, somebody gave me something and I, I accepted the gift. It made me feel better because I felt loved in a very, very surface way, mm-hmm. and I called that a good night because I somehow fooled myself. And it was—I'm not—I'm not, I'm not going to take that for granted. It was a good night, but I somehow fooled myself into thinking, like, if I had gone out and met with a friend that I've known for years, and they were having a rough day, and I just sat there and listened to them, and and had this very spirit-led, deep conversation that's going to have eternal consequences, would I have considered that if it had some inconveniences to it? If I if I felt like um, you know that this person was a burden to me. If if I had felt that way after night like this, would I have said it was a good mm. night, as good of a night as I thought a night mm-hmm. of very very surface things, mm. but that somehow convinced me because it made me feel better that this was actually an uh, an encounter. Where as you said, Matt earlier, I felt encountered and I encountered them. Whereas it was it was the very beginning of that. It was been no way deep. But I wonder if technology does that. It it allows us to fool ourselves. That we have various encounters that we call deep because we're chatting online, or that I have said something meaningful, or I've said something deeper, in any way convinced me in a very, very surface way that it was actually a deeper mm-hmm. experience than I thought it was, or a more blessed mm-hmm. experience than I thought it was. But it's actually just fooling us. Yeah, that's that's actually a point um, that's similar to a point that was made by one of those monks at Holy Resurrection when I was visiting there several months ago, Matt, was we were talking about this this use of technology and, and some of the problems with it, um, especially because, like, there's this problem with... We all have catered news feeds now, right? I say we. I don't yeah. really have that because I don't have news feeds. But um, the problem with that is, uh, or one of the problems with it, is Father Michael and I have talked about how everyone kind of thinks that whatever I'm seeing on my newsfeed, that's mm. clearly what everyone else is seeing. Right. And so it's it's very polarizing because then it's like, if this other person doesn't have the same opinion as me, they're seeing clearly all of this same news and drawing different conclusions. And so they must be a crazy person and they must be an idiot and they must be whatever, you know? And so these catered news feeds can be very polarizing and and not actually necessarily informing uh, other than informing us of what we already believe. And, but then what I was talking about with this monk was there's, there's this problem of something can be, like you see this thing on social media and it's this, horrific social injustice and you're like so um so inflamed about it that you're like I need to do something and so you share it on your own feed and then somehow by clicking that share button there's Mm -hmm. this catharsis and this like this cathartic release and like you feel like you've done something Mm -hmm. um and I think that can be similar to the the numbing this need for um (gasps) Andrew Whaley she announced you Oh, you can he got you, of course. Hello, Mother Atala. Hi, Andrew. I love, you. I love his haircut. Tell him I love his haircut. Yeah, she's she's <laughs> she, started, she, she loves your haircut. She's got she's picked up strange uh, 
Strange Company. You've you picked up Strange Company with. Well, you can, they, <laughs> you, you can't yeah, hear we them. can hear him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry from New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, I sent one guy. So, All right, thanks, Whaley. Um, <laughs> I love you, Andrew Whaley. Good to see you, man. Tell him. Bye. Tell him. Tell him. He, he, she loves you, Andrew Whaley. Okay, so... <laughs> I love her so much. <laughs> and I miss her so so, uh, so yeah, we share mm-hmm. this. We have this cathartic release. We think that we've done something, whereas we've only actually started to do something about a problem. And um, but like that doesn't actually release us from the obligation to do the things that Jesus says in Matthew twenty-five. So I've been right. thinking about this a lot. I think it goes to your point, if you don't mind. Please. Um, this idea of our circle of influence versus our circle of concern. Mm. And very often our circle of concern is significantly larger than our circle of influence. Mm -hmm. And so we spend all of our time fascinated and entranced by things we have zero control over. Mm -hmm. And as we do that, our circle of influence shrinks because we're not investing time in those relationships or Mm -hmm. whatever um, that, that could actually benefit people and those around us and maybe even our little towns and societies, you know? Um, So it was wonderful for me being offline, not knowing and not caring what Joe Biden has or hasn't said. I had no clue. And it turned out that the world was fine me not knowing. (laughs) But when I'm back in internet land, it feels like, no, it's very important that I stay abreast these different topics when it really, really isn't. Mm -hmm. What's really important is that I'm a attentive to my wife and my children and my interior world and my friends and Steubenville. Like, that's really what's important. And that's where holiness is, right? It's in those, it's in the, it's in the concrete things that I can actually do. And I think it's, it's really interesting that in political discourse, we're all very fascinated with the largest thing possible, right? It's like American politics if we live in America, not our small town politics. When it's the small town politics that we have any hope of doing anything about, Vice versa, when we think of like church politics, like everyone's very concerned about Pope Francis and whatever else is happening, but we're not, are we invested in our small little parish? And that's the, yeah. I think, I think that goes back to what you were saying about the fact that like the way our society is kind of constructed right now, it makes us need the internet. Like you were, you were saying Mm. that, um, you know, like, well, I need it for my job in this way or that. And so there's something that creates this dependence or at least this perceived dependence. And I think the same thing happens with this concept of like world news and, and this, this circle of concern being so large because before it's like, you just couldn't know what was going on yeah. on the other side of the world. But now that you can know, we almost know. feel this obligation of, um, I shouldn't even say almost. We often do feel this obligation of I should be informed on these things, and if I'm not informed, then I'm failing because the information is there, and so I should have it. Yeah. And the I I think there's a similar problem that comes up when um, with these instantaneous kinds of communication, like email, text messaging, um, phone calls aren't even like really a thing anymore, right? Like people always, which is hard for us. Like that's why I'll have to take one of the community travel phones to text someone because I'm like, I, I don't know how to get a hold of them otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, but these instantaneous forms of communication, they like encourage this unchastity or possessiveness mm-hmm. or whatever we want to say because it it it's an unchastity in the sense of it gives other people the idea that they have the right of access to us mm-hmm. and that they should be able to access us at any instant, at any point that they want. And, and I think it's this, um, a similar problem to what you were saying of just like society creates this dependence and this expectation and, and we feed into it, of course, by saying like, I'll just say to people, you know, people who email us at the monastery and say like, Hey, I have questions. Um, it often happens because of you, Matt. Thanks. So people will email and be like, Hey, I saw you on Matt Frad and, um, and I have questions for you. And I'm like, that's beautiful. I'd love to answer your questions. Just be aware, like, I'm not going to be prompt. Like, mm-hmm. it might take me a, a month to get back to your email. And um, and most people are very receptive to that. And they're like, that's fine. Take your time. You know, you're a monastic. But some people, I yeah. think, are really, like, offended by that. And I'm but, like, this isn't my job as a monastic mm-hmm. to answer your emails. And now they even have that little insidious delivered, read, unread under your text messages. So that you can say, <laughs> you, I saw that you read it. Why haven't you gotten back? And of course, you can turn that off in settings, but yeah. I mean, it's, it feels so wrong. And um, I think the, one of the hardest things for me going offline in August is knowing people will be texting me 
and me fearing they think yeah. I'm ignoring them. Mm-hmm. I wish I didn't care so much about that, but I really do. I don't want people thinking I'm being rude or ignoring mm-hmm. them. But I think uh, that maybe that's the choice we have. We, we have to either choose to allow people to be offended at our lack of response and live a more well-ordered life, or we can frantically respond to everybody. And I really want to, I would really rather much, I would rather risk offending people by not getting back to them. I, I just, I can't live my life responding to text messages because people text you as if they're in the same room with you. Mm-hmm. Like if me and Father Michael were in the same room and I went, hey, how you doing? And he didn't respond within a reasonable amount of time, good thanks or whatever, I'd be like, dude, what, what did you not hear me? <laughs> and that's how we now respond. So we f- send up the follow-up question mark, like you're not responding. <laughs> This is no way to live our lives, people. Yeah. Drastic. One of my pet peeves. Go. Sorry. One of my pet peeves is when somebody will say, like, I just, I just, they just posted something on, on Instagram. And so I texted them and they didn't get back to me. And I like, they're obviously just sitting on Instagram. And, I, and I'll be like, you know, don't you, d- like, there's, am I the only one? I know I'm not. I'm just making this as hyperbole. Am I the only one who may go from Instagram to a phone call, like, right away? Or, or I may go from talking to this person to talking to this person and not texting back. Like, yes, sometimes people's lives move that quickly where you're doing one thing or, or you send a text and then you don't send another one because all of a sudden you're doing something else. Immediately, one thing right after the other. Um, so yeah, that, that's a, the technology has absolutely probably ruined relationships because of expectations that people have that are just false. And I think that's why it's a good thing I've told the story before where a, a spiritual daughter of mine worked in a, in a Wells Fargo, like a big bank, and they, their manager had a birthday, and somebody literally had to go to a porno shop to buy this card. It would, the card, the birthday card was pornography. And so when it got to her desk, she would not sign it. And they were shocked. They were shocked that, that, that one person would not sign this card, would not put her name on a, on a funny, supposedly funny birthday card that involved pornography. And when she was kind of put out by this and she said in a spiritual direction, you know, I don't, I don't understand. Like, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that they're shocked and I'm, they're kind of mad at me for this. And I said, I said, you have taught them that they, they're going to have to think twice before buying a card like this because mm-hmm. one time one person was offended. So you've done a great service to, to their mind to say someone may be offended. The same thing, Matt, like if, you, if you're off for a month, like they, after the month and they're like, I was offended, you didn't get back to me, so you explained why, now they're going to rethink hopefully every time they get offended. Maybe this person is actually living a real life. If you want maybe this person. If you want a quick, because um, I've learned this, if you want a, a quick way of having people stop texting you, here's what you do. Whenever they text you, call them. <laughs> Don't text yeah. them back. Hey, sorry, what was up? What did you need to know? They will stop texting. That's, that's really what I've done. The other thing I do is, oh, gosh, I block people's numbers that I don't want to talk to anymore. I hear that C.S. Yeah. Lewis... I, I wish everyone could have seen the face that Matt just made. I, I, see, I, I hear that C.S. Lewis felt obligated to respond to every letter that he received. I because do that, by his, the way. his thought... Which one? I respond to every letter that I receive. Well, and his, his point was, and, and I, I'll agree with you here, his point was, if I put something out into the world, I've started a conversation and I'm obliged to continue it. I agree with that. If someone's taken the effort to write a letter and put a stamp on it and put it in it, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But the idea that someone thinks they have complete, like, unfettered access to me all the time, especially if I don't really have a relationship with the person, uh, I, I'm just not going to do it. So I don't respond to emails that people don't want to respond to. I block people on, on my text messages who I don't know who somehow got my number from somebody and then didn't take the hint. It's like Mother Natalia. No, (laughs) (laughs) Father Michael. (laughs) So that's the extreme. I know that's the extreme, but I I just feel like I need to take my life back. And if that means offending people, although I don't wish to do that. um, Yeah. Yeah, And that's a big difference, I think, between someone like you, Matt, who has, yes, a ministry and yes, yes, a Catholic ministry, but also as a family. Because I, I would... I still think from my role as a priest, it is important to it is important to answer everybody. And even if I have to say, even if I have to say, I'm sorry, I just I really can't do this right now. Um, it, it like like you said, Mother, this is getting in the way of my larger vocation, and I, I have to make some decisions. Mm-hmm. And and I like I, I'm going to explain it to you. And if, and if if you're not going to accept the explanation, I understand that. But I do think it's important for for a priest, and and again, not a nun. That's so a, neither that's of a way more manly way of going about it. 
but, but, I, but, but as my wife always says, and I make fun of her for, in fairness to me, that's what she says. I'm like, please, you're supposed to say in fairness to other people. But I, I do think, like, because, and this, this may be true of you guys as well, as your, as your platform's gotten out there, right? So it's like, as my platform has grown, people naturally feel like we know each other. Oh, yeah. Because they see you yes. guys on a screen. And you would be kind and hospitable and charitable to them if you saw them in person. But if someone just found your number on a service, that's happened to me a bunch. People just start yeah. calling and texting me. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't. And I yeah. I think that there's there's a matter of it, too, with what you're saying, Matt, of, like, I get the not wanting to offend them. But there's also, it takes a great trust that um, that God provides what people need and that we don't have to be the ones to provide what they need. Mm. And that, like, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world for them to be offended because then maybe they, they have something that they need to take mm. to Jesus to figure out why this is offensive to them. And, you know, there there's this, I, I share this out of, like, I'm just, I'm just super prideful, and this is one instance of it. Um, you know, when I was entering the monastery, I told Father Michael, like, I was having a really hard time. I was a, I was a high school teacher before I entered, and I really, really loved my kids. And it was a rough inner city school, like kids cussing me out every day. And wow. I loved them so much. Wow. And um, and I knew that so many of them uh, didn't have other people in their life who loved them, like including oftentimes their parents or their parents or including other teachers. Or And, and the school just had such a high attrition rate um, amongst teachers and so on and so forth. And turnover is that, can you use attrition in that sense? Anyways, high turnover. Mm-hmm. And I, I I told Father Michael, I was like, maybe I should just wait another year before I enter. Like just one more year to give to these kids and let them, um, and, mm. and he like really called me out on the pride of that, of I knew Jesus was asking me to enter the monastery and I was doing no good to them mm. by, by not doing what Jesus was asking me to do, even if it was out of, this misplaced compassion or this misplaced um, charity or something because it's it's actually a disservice to them. Um, I'm not giving them fully of myself if I'm giving to them something that Jesus is not asking me to. And I needed to come to the place where I could trust that Jesus could put someone else in their life <laughs> who loved them and who would give them the the things that I thought I was giving them. And um, But that's that's a hard place to get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we just were so self-important. Um, and yeah, so it's like you're offending people by doing what you feel convicted Jesus is asking you to do. And um, mm. and that's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I like that. I mean, my fear is that like I'll take that to then justify me being a jerk to people, but I hope I do that, <laughs> right? But... It's, um, but yeah, I, something like that happened recently where I know I offended somebody and I, and I ran by, I'm pretty objective, I think, when I recount what happens because I'm very self-aware. I think of my own stuff, mm-hmm. often like way too hard on myself, I think. So I ran by this particular conversation and someone said, no, no, I think that was their thing. And then someone actually said to me, I'm like, I think I offended them. They said, well, maybe they should have been it. Maybe it was good for them to be offended. Mm-hmm. So that does take some discernment because we should be affable to people. We shouldn't be brash or dismissive or one of the things that that chap you did so well and the the only reason why i said that to you mother back when i remember that conversation about you know you leaving i can't believe you remember that i know it's pretty (laughs) incredible and you you reminded me i probably wouldn't have if you reminded me but the only reason i said that was because that's exactly what my spiritual Mm. father archbishop chap you said to me he's like about one specific person where he's like you need to you need to put up much bigger boundaries with this person. And I said, well, then who's going to love them? He's like, really? <laughs> really? You, you don't think God can send anybody else to this person? You, you think you're the only one of the whole world that can help this person? And, and, I, was like, and I was like, oh, okay. It, it, it was absolutely a, uh, a Messiah complex. Um, but but, but uh, Shapu did something else too. Is he said he, his email was so available to people and he'd respond within 24 hours to everybody, especially when he was in Denver, that he just started writing on there, you know, thanks for writing. I think this is a question for your pastor. Mm-hmm. In, in other words, it, it doesn't always have to be me. And if you're looking for an authentic answer, not just to talk to someone you saw on TV or someone that you've heard of or want some interaction that you can tell your friends you've had or some relationship you can tell your friends you've had. You know, it, it needs to be that. And I, it made me think um, there was a, there was, when I did my first pilgrimage 
um, with with Leah Darrow, and she was obviously a big deal, and she was posting things on on, on Facebook. And this woman jumped on there and just absolutely started bullying her by the way she looked, just like on on these on these you on these Facebook lives, absolutely bullying her. And Leah was so good because she kept on going. You know, I mean, it was like she was like making, trying to make fun of her her lipstick and her sunglasses and the and all these things. And I'm like, what is wrong with this woman? And Leah was being was trying so hard to answer this woman in a logical mm-hmm. way. And I said, Leah, she's just a bully. Just block yeah. her. Just block her. And and it, it took she Leah so long to do that. She was trying to so answer in a logical way, that. despite her feminine genius. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. No. It, 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 absolutely. And and it was and it was so good because I think she needed. She probably needed me there to call her on. Mm-hmm. It's like um, shout out to Noel Maring. Noel Maring, theology of, of home. Um, she wrote Awake Not Woke. Mm-hmm. Um, she she came to me once said and when she when the before the book was published. She asked me if, if I could have, be, have a little more involvement in like recommending it, and so I read it, and then I thought, this is a this is a great book, Awake Not Woke, from a thirty thousand foot perspective. So she's observing the tr- the trends in the world, and that's her place to do this. She God gave her the gift to write a book uh, in great generalities. I honestly wish the Pope and the bishops would be more mm. like this. Like speak speak the truth. The, the speak the that truth. We can then apply and, and then, specifically then, to things. Exactly, mm-hmm. and let me as a pastor mm. give the exceptions. Let me as a pastor who's you know um, so. Uh, the the popes at, at thirty thousand feet. I'm in the trenches. So you speak the truth, and then let me, who knows the person, who hopefully knows their heart, let let me provide the nuance and let me provide uh, the things like this that are actually going to affect them because everybody's going to have questions. Because truth should not be said without charity. But when truth is preached, the charity can can come from someone who they know, who is not online, who's not writing a letter, who has a, a much deeper intimacy with them. And so so I actually had to tell Noel, no, I can't. Can't, I can't have my name on this. I can't have my name on this because the, even some of the people that you criticize in the book are my friends. Mm. Like the, the, these are the people that are doing something very wrong, but I know them personally, so I, I don't want to mess yeah. with that relationship good, by yeah. putting my name on this because because they may get offended. So I think there's a difference in roles there, and in a sense, we're all in this together. So Noel said to me recently, if I ever say anything online well, in so- a book, anything. That, that that is wrong. You call me Isn't out. Isn't she lovely? And that's I said, that, yeah, we need people like that. We need someone in our life to say, you said this. No, that's not right. right. Like, like you need to be careful with that. And when that's usually someone that that's deeply involved in our life. Yes. Like thank God, Mother and I do this together, so we can we can kind of do that for each other. But we know each other in real life, obviously, and we all have people that that are in the trenches with us. That can say, are you me? Are you speaking from thirty thousand feet, or are you speaking from the trenches? Those, those are in a sense two different places. I love it. And one thing I'm aware of too sometimes is it's my pride that's unwilling to offend somebody unintentionally, right? Not because I want to be offensive or am offensive. I, I hope I don't. If I do, I should repent of that. But let's say somebody feels dismissed. Okay, do I feel sorry because I've hurt that person? Or do I feel sorry because now that person feels badly about me? Mm-hmm. And so I think of Chaput. Yeah. Like, I wonder if you had have asked him if he had have said, you know, maybe, and I don't mean to speak for him, I, I know he's a very good man, but maybe he would say, yeah, maybe it was this pride that as a bishop I want to be very in touch with everybody and having to allow people to hold different opinions of you that are unflattering so that you can do what you feel the Lord's called you to do. That's a, that's a difficult thing to discern too. Mm-hmm. It is, and that that has come with, and I'm sure, actually, you could probably say this a millionfold, Matt. Like when you when you go from from having an influence over a parish or a diocese to all of a sudden having an influence over the over many many thousands of people through a ministry, that that's a big learning curve in in saying what mother you, what mother you've been so eloquent. What do you call what do you call a mother? The poverty of being misunderstood mm. or something mm. like this. Just saying somebody may misunderstand me, but I'm going to allow that to be a poverty. I'm not going to go try to correct it all the mm. time, and I'm going to take it as a as a um, aspect of the cross. It, it's it's the beauty of being misunderstood. It's yeah. so difficult. That's like the litany of humility, eh? Mm-hmm. I've I've shared that. Um, I I had that realization about my own pride um, a couple years ago. Of I I had like hurt one of the sisters by something that I said, and um, I went to apologize for it. And but then I realized that at some point in praying about it later, I was like, I didn't actually apologize. Simply for the sake of like an apology was due to her. It's I part of me was apologizing because like I know that by saying that 
Mm. Um, she's going to think that I was a jerk and, and I want her to know that, like, I know that I'm a jerk and that like, you know, and there's just so much, there's, there's just all of these, um, we have these complex, um, mixed motives when we do things like that. And so sometimes the more humble thing to do in a weird way, like sometimes the more humble thing to do is to like repent and and go to confession but sometimes it's not a one-on-one apology um if if you're apologizing for the sake of of just being understood it's so beautiful what you're saying it's it's so easy to manipulate each other hey i think this is why i find children so beautiful is that they're in sometimes not always (laughs) some kids are very manipulative but kids can often be unable to manipulate and and also, they don't have their guard up to know when you're manipulating them. And that mm. can be in very simple things. Like, suppose I look at my daughter and say, hey, would you mind cleaning the kitchen? And she says, mm, Dad. And I might say something like, you know what? It's fine. I'll ask your sister. Like, whoa, what did you just do there? Like, were you trying to say that my <laughs> And maybe I am doing that, you know? Like, as parents, sometimes I'm aware of what I'm doing. And I think, oh, God, have mercy on me. This beautiful creature does not yet have the scales and the armor up to defend against this evil stuff. Mm-hmm. And it breaks my heart when I sometimes I'm aware that I, I, I fall into manipulating them in small ways. God have mercy on me. But then how we can do that to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, the, or, or just the, the complexity of like, you know, one of the nuns is in a really bad mood. And so I'm going to um, make this special treat for her or this kind of coffee that I know that she likes or something like that to, mm. to cheer her up. But like, am I actually doing that because I want to make her day better or am I want to do, am I doing that because like, it's really hard for me to live in this place when she's in a bad mood and I'm taking that on. Like, what are the, mm. you know, am I doing this for her or am I doing it for me, honestly? And um, sometimes and this, we do it anyways and we just self, ask the Lord to purify it. This self-awareness but, that mm-hmm. we're talking about right now where you really like plumb the depths of your inner world, I don't think is, I think is very difficult to do when you're plugged in online. Yeah. Because you've just got podcasts pumping into your head all day, maybe including this one, mm-hmm. Implants with Aquinas, and you need to stop. And you need to be with yourself to be more aware of the motions of your heart. Mm-hmm. You think, how often do I just blast through the day without even being aware of what are my motives here and, you know? Yeah. Mm. Um, so I think this is a really good time to talk about all of our social media platforms. Um, so <laughs> Instagram, Father Michael has a Twitter at Padre Michael O. Um, whatgodisnot.com is our website. Our um, Fotina, P H O T I N A dot org is our nonprofit page. Um, and you can also support us on Patreon if you'd like. And um, Goodreads, Facebook, YouTube, audio only. Uh, there are things that I'm forgetting. I'm sure email whatgodisnotpodcast at gmail.com. Um, Matt, do you want to mention briefly your um, show or platforms or whatever? Yeah, sure. I have a show on YouTube and Rumble called Pints with Aquinas. Great. Um, He's also opening a cigar bar mm-hmm. in Doomville, Ohio in October. This is going to be epic. He showed me pictures and it looks amazing. I, I can't come out for that, Matt, but I'm, I'm coming out in a, in a, a, a bit over a month after that. Well, every, um, everything's on me. Or to you, be there. you pay the trip okay. from California, <laughs> I'll buy you a cigar or whatever else you need. <laughs> All right. Sweet, sweet, sweet. So I'll be in the area and oh, I will absolutely fabulous. come see you. What month are you coming? Uh, November. Mother knows this, this, I do. This I November? Coming, yeah. Golly, yeah, if November. you'd be open to it, we can talk about this later. I'd love to have you on, on the show if you have any time. If not, no worries. Yeah. Oh, sure. As long as they get him bugged. I know. Time. He's yes. like really salty about yeah. that. <laughs> I didn't know this. Every, every time I've like mentioned the show, he's I, like, I, I didn't get him bugged. Okay. That'll teach me. Um, I do want to say one thing real quick, um, just to cap what, what you were saying, Mother. Okay. And sorry about this, because I, I do think it's important. One of the things I think when it comes to the difference between the, the lack of intimacy and technology and social media and the intimacy in real relationships is, is that when someone can say something to me that may be hurtful, if they say it and, and I have a deep intimate relationship with them, they know there's a foundation of love that is so incredibly important. And that is not possible on social mm-hmm. media. It is yeah. not possible. So so the hurt comes quicker because um, like, like I, I've told you before, in spiritual direction, Shap, you would say something that would tear my heart open, that would like lay me flat, like I've said before, like he's like, you're really good at being a young priest. He's like, you're going to be horrible as an old priest. I mean, he would say things like that to me. He's like, he's like all of the good you do is only because you're young. Like, you actually need to become holy to be a good at an, being an old priest. So I like, start changing your life up now. It was, and then he would wow. go, you know I love you, right? 
And I'm like, of course, of course. Like, and, and now I, I, he would say that all the time, you know I love you, right? And I'm like, yes. And I, I, we can have that. And there's, there's an advantage to being a priest because people ask me all the time, oh my gosh, you go, you go out to bars and coffee shops in LA, that must be crazy. I was like, no. 98% of interactions of me and a tip, the typical Angelino are, are good. They're, as, much as, as much as the devil and our, our modern secular society has tried to paint um, us as, as, you know, pedophile demons, like most people that see me still assume that I'm going to love them. Mm-hmm. And, and it happens all the time. They, they still see me like he's a priest. He's, he's going to respect me. He's going to love me. He's going to have a, a typical conversation. And I don't, it's just my angel and, and our Lord working that is so good. But, but th- that's one thing we get so quickly offended on social media because we, we can't tell if that person really cares about mm-hmm. us or not or loves us or not. And that's so true. we need to be very, very careful not only in you know what what offense is, but when we get offended by something, because we we should not be offended by thing, things people say online, because we cannot have the relationship that is foundation to see what the proper reaction to what that is. I I think I'm glad you said that, Father Michael, because it reminded me of one other thing that I think is really important about this uh, this kind of overuse of technology in our society, which is that part of the problem I think is especially now that like kids are growing up with with technology and with with this being that's a misuse of the word technology that's not actually accurate because we've always had technology it's not just modern anyways sorry but um you know what i mean yeah so but this like interacting with avatars as far as instead of people i think part of the problem that this is causing is a, a desensitization um to the pain that we cause people like when i was a kid the first mean things that i said were to someone's face and I had to watch their face crumple. And I had to like feel that horrible feeling in the pit of my stomach of, wow, what did I just do to this person? But when you have on your show, Matt, the crazy YouTube comments that people are making, like those aren't, um, they're not having to, to have the instantaneous reaction and see what their words are doing. And so I think that this is a problem, especially like as kids are having this, this sort of like this... Um, um, distance, this distancing, uh, they're not having to suffer those immediate consequences. And so I think it's like something is not being formed properly um, in in their brains when like the, the natural things that are supposed to happen. And this seems like a bad thing, even just a, a small scale, but then we can see the the grave problem of this desensitization when we see things like drone warfare, right? Like to not have to see um, the person that you're killing and to be able to just press a button and someone somewhere um, is now dead and their their whole family um, feels this acutely and you don't necessarily at all because it's just like a video game. Like, um, you know, that's that's an extreme way to, to say it, obviously. But mm-hmm. I think that that is part of the the problem of it as well is there's just this like we're we're becoming less sensitive in a way that we're meant to be sensitive. Um, so, yeah. Cool beans. Cool beans. Um, all right. Um, prayer request. I always forget that I'm supposed to go first, and I never think of these things ahead of time. Um, <laughs> I can go first. Okay. Thanks. I haven't. So I, I I'm going to go quickly, but but do three quick ones. I please do pray for Christ the Bridegroom Monastery. Um, fine, too. I'll just leave you off. Um, <laughs> she's making fun of you for saying three. Um, Christ of Bridegroom Monastery, their, their big fundraiser is this coming weekend. This will come out, of course, after that. Um, but their big fundraiser is this weekend, and um, they do such good work um, in, their, in their movement and their asceticism for their own salvation, but also their witness to the world of God's love um, at that you guys hopefully get a, a small taste of through this podcast, but um, the, it's just, it's a really an amazing spirit-led endeavor, this Monastery of Christ the Bridegroom. And I think anybody who encounters any of the nuns or especially the monastery itself um, understand that really well. Um, I also want to, of course, uh, pray for Matt and his family. Um, please do pray for them. This is the rubber hits the road in family life. And um, that's where uh, the cross is is the heaviest and that's where the glory of God shines the most brightly. Um, and and we, we celibates, both mother and I, um, our, our, our main our main mission is to our own salvation, but that trickles down to help everybody. But um, second of all, especially me as a pastor, my job as a pastor is to make is to facilitate families being holy. 
that that's the big thing is is to facilitate uh, families that come to my parish, making sure that they have all the tools they need to participate in the work of Christ in their life and in their family. So, um, you know, again, Matt, Matt Frad is, is in the trenches himself with his family and, and what he's doing for his own salvation, the salvation of their souls. And then finally, just I'm, I'm looking out the window here, um, big shout out to the Sheridan family, Paul and Carolina Sheridan. Um, they, they've been coming multiple days a week. I think he must be on vacation because he has a real job. And he just walked by wearing coveralls and is completely coated in dirt. <laughs> so he was climbing under the house trying to get rid of an old furnace so we can get new flooring down in the rectory. So mm-hmm. anyway, they're, they're an amazing family. So please pray also for the Sheridan family. Just extra little grace headed mm-hmm. their way. Um, I'm going to do something similar to what I did on our last podcast episode, which is I'm going to ask you to actually just take some time for prayer for yourself um, and really ask the Lord to um, reveal to you uh, maybe some of your misuse of technology in particular and and how he's inviting you to work on that addiction or attachment or whatever it may be. Um, and I think if if everyone listening does that in an open way, I think that you'll you'll walk away from that prayer with with some um, moderate resolution that you can apply to your life. Yeah, well, just simply, we already mentioned the cigar lounge we're opening. Part of doing that is to kind of revivify a run downtown in Steubenville, Ohio. It's also to create a beautiful place where people can come together and enjoy each other and grow in friendship. So if people would please pray for... This is not a plug for the cigar lounge. I know it sounds like one, but Chesterton <laughs> and Company Cigars. And just pray for all the work that we're trying to do in Steubenville. I'd appreciate it. Great. Um, well, thanks, Matt. It's a great joy having you here, yes. and I love you a lot and your family. So. Thank you. Uh, love you, Father Michael. Love you, listeners. Um, yeah. Love you too, Mother. Love you all. Thank you. Father, can you give us a blessing? May we bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. Have mercy on you. May you accept from our Lord the gift of good community and the intimacy that comes from relationships um, with the spouse or with God himself in celibacy that, that trickles down to children, friends, co-workers, May our Lord put people in your life and may you accept them into your life that, that encourage and convict and give accountability and allow there to be joy in this pilgrimage on earth. People to help you carry your cross along with Christ and those who will be a foundation so that any way that our Lord calls you to use technology or social media may be in addition to the life and the community, the intimacy that you already have and that that the grace of your freedom to do that flows from that, primarily from our Lord. May you listen to everything he says, and may our Lord send his angels and his mother to protect you from any attacks of the devil. May the Lord bless all of you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.